Hello, everybody. Welcome to 1v1 Boss Rush Podcast, content creator interview show. And I am your host this episode, Eddie B, joining me from the Devil Cox Experience and various other podcasts that you have seen him do. Y'all know I host a lot. I think this man just got to my level. Now he'll understand all the hosting the shows that I do. <laughs> and I just said, everybody, please welcome the one and only Devin Cox from the Devin Cox Experience and other Hi. I'm doing good. How you doing, brother? I am doing so good. We met on Twitter just randomly, and we've been friends ever since and doing each other's podcasts and talking and everything. And I am choosing Years ago, actually, huh? Yeah, about, what, three Three or four years? Yeah. Probably three or four years. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. How how have you been in this quarantine time, good. first of all? I'm doing pretty good, man. All things considered, I'm doing pretty good. You know, post a lot of podcasts now. Too many podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. I'm still enjoying it. I still like to challenge myself every day with it. And I like to see people's responses to it. Yes, it's it's been really good. I've been listening here and there. Everybody got so got so many podcasts out and trying to listen to each one that you like. Okay, this is seventeen podcasts in one day, another podcast, seventeen in another day. Just like wow. Yeah. It's really hard to listen to everybody's podcast, especially when you're fans of the person. And I feel like people take offense to it when you don't listen to their podcast. And it's sometimes you just don't have time. And I try to listen to everybody's podcast mm-hmm. equally in terms of like there are certain podcasts I listen to weekly and I keep my rotation. And then when I finish up those podcasts, then I go to the little bundle of podcasts of people I know and people podcasts I like that. Maybe I've missed a couple episodes and I'll try to catch up then. And I usually have time to do stuff like that, whether I'm playing games or sometimes in my downtime when I don't feel like playing games and I don't feel like watching TV, mm-hmm. I'll just sit on my couch and just put my out in and just listen to a podcast. Yeah, same here. Had you been doing anything during this quarantine time? Like, had you been staying at home? Had you been working? Like, what have you personally been doing? Well, I've been working all through the quarantines. Like the whole since this whole thing started, I still had to continue going to work every day. Same here. Everything. So it didn't affect me in that aspect. But what it did do because my grandmother's elderly, she's eighty years old now. So that made me have to go shopping for her now. So mm-hmm. and that she would usually want to do herself because she's she's eighty years old, but she's not like you know how you see other ADO people who are very slow in the uptick, yes. can't walk around and stuff like that. She likes to do things for herself. So with this whole quarantine thing, she literally can't do things for herself in terms of like grow grocery shopping and things like that. So I had to take the mantle and run with that. So that's made things interesting. And otherwise, than that I've been in my free time, been well, what little free time I have been podcasting and gaming. How has Florida been for you? Like, did some of the people just like make you be like, come on, people, we got to be better in this state? Or were you just like, yep, 
It's the same people I expected who were uh, not follow rules. Florida's going Florida, man. That's how I just kind of <laughs> deal with that, man. You know, I look at the situation like how fast they're trying to open up the economy, and I, and I get it. I get that people want to go back to the norm, but my whole question about it is, it's better to be safe than sorry yeah. in terms of just reopening up too prematurely and then these COVID cases just jump right back up to where they were or even worse and then we got to close back down again for a longer period of time. I think the best way to handle this is just to get it out of the way. Get out of the way so you don't have to worry about it no more. Like Get it to a point where it's just it's consequential because truth be told, no matter when we open up, there's going to be losses. Yeah. But we we need it's our duty as Americans to minimize that as much as possible to keep it like a hundred or under as opposed to thousands of people and that's how I kind of look at it and I know people have been crazy like people want to go on the beaches and stuff want to have parties or acting out and some people choose to like boycott and do silly things because they can't get a haircut like really but you know the whole thing is, is this is for the best of us because right now it doesn't it seems like a hassle but imagine if you go out to go to one of your loved ones and they get covid from you and then they pass away that's on you that's something you have to live with for the rest of your life and i don't think me personally i'm not comfortable with that i would i would be completely heartbroken if i found out i had covid and passed it to my grandmother and she died from it. That would be heartbreaking to me. Yes. Yes. Well, it's good that you're doing okay. Good that the family's doing okay. Uh, we're going to get into the Devil and Cox experience because that is your main podcast. How yes. did you uh, come about that podcast? And do you also want to tell what it is, in fact? Okay. I'll get to both parts, actually. Where should I start? Let me start on how I came up with the podcast first so I can give you a better idea of what it is. Originally, I was doing a podcast with my friend. His name's Lyric. He's a rapper. Well, I think we were doing it. It had to be a 2016 because it was election year. And it was right mm-hmm. before Trump got elected. We were doing a podcast called the Mic Drop Podcast. Yes. And... We were, we were getting traction and stuff. It was a really cool podcast. Me and him would go on there and we kind of just speak our minds. And sometimes it'd be controversial, sometimes it's not. Because the, re- the reason why we did it is because while I'm a calm, cool, collective person, my boy Vision, or Lyric, his rap name, of course, he, he's more of a person who's not afraid to say controversial opinions like one of the things he said was that he was one of the first people I heard saying that Trump's going to win like he straight up said it like as soon as he got elected he said Trump's going to win like as soon as he got into the contest the campaign contest he said mm-hmm. Trump's going to win I'm telling you this right now and I said why do you think that he has no political experiences because he's a celebrity and people are stupid and people are going to vote for celebrity and people are going to see themselves in him. And by gosh, he was 100% right. So 
we were doing that podcast for a while. I want to say probably like a year or so. And what happened was, what happened with a lot of podcasters, life, man, you know, life hit him hard where he was having problems after problems. And it got to the point where he really couldn't do the podcast. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a burden on him. Mm-hmm. So I thought like, you know what, let's table this podcast and let me do my own thing. And while coming up with my own thing, I was trying to find hosts and stuff, and nobody was quite fitting that mold. And 2016, 2017 was a different time in terms of like trying to find people who want to do podcasts. I want to say Devil Cox Experience came out 2018. I want to say if I'm correct, February. June 2018, I want to say. Okay. That, that sounds right, because it was my first episode is an E3 episode with um Donnie from PSVG, which is funny because now I'm on the PSVG network, and Nathan, who's also a part of PSVG. That was, that was my first episode of Devil Cox Experience, but while looking for people to kind of beat like be my coach and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find the one I actually thought was consistent or I gelled with to the point where I'm like, okay, this guy should be my co-host. So I ended up just saying, what if I just went on the internet and found people to interview and just kind of did it Arsenio Hall style and just had people on the podcast. And I did that. I like first episode I want to talk about E3. I knew Donnie, who was a big, like PSVG, was still not necessarily big as it is now, but it was kind of a well-known entity because PSVG mm-hmm. is kind of like they, I don't know if you saw, they was in Twitfinite and stuff like that. They've gotten guests like Ryan McCaffrey and Colin Moriarty and stuff. They're doing big things. Yes. It's really cool. But when I when I got Donnie on my show, it wasn't nowhere near to that level yet. So... We got all we did E3 and stuff like that. So it turned out pretty good. Then I was just started asking people when I started interviewing people about podcasting and things that they did. And as I got better at it, I started just looking for more and more interesting people. And I think I interviewed Chalfy, which was cool because me and I became fast friends after that. And he was the one who kind of said, I like the way you do your podcast. It's like you're on a one-man mission to unite the coast to diversity because it's so diverse. And I just kind of stuck with that. I kind of like, this is what I do. This is what yes. makes my podcast unique because I have on people from all walks of life. It's not just a gaming podcast or a political podcast. It can be any one of those things at any point in time. And I'm always been fair in the terms of like kind of like Rogan. Rogan does a very similar thing to me in terms of I will have anyone on my podcast and hear their point of view and we can have an honest positive conversation about their point of view about almost anything and that's what I built my podcast on and as I got better with it I started adding things onto it like the 5 for 5 which is 5 questions, 5 answers to get the ball rolling I did that because Usually when you see people 
especially interview podcast, for the interviewing people, they always start off the podcast off with, you know, and they're like, hey, how you doing? Uh, what's going on with you? Stuff like that. It's kind of always a slow build. Yes. But the five for five is interesting to me because what it does is it just comes right out the gate and gets people into the conversation because I ask these questions and find out a little bit about their, their background and stuff like that without them really knowing it. It almost feels like a game show type feel in terms of like mm-hmm. I'm asking them fun questions like give me your top five superheroes and things like that. And it opens them up more to having fun and being relaxed. So when we get to the serious questions, they're having fun. Yes. Yeah. Do do you have me on the show? Uh, I I think the first time you had me, I don't think it was a one on one. I think it's when I brought up Christina Aguilera with the hip hop thing. Yeah. And all did you guys <laughs> just like wait what? I'm just like yeah. I'm like. There's like no, and I was laughing, and I was just like, no. If you actually go check out her album that she did with DJ, uh, with Premiere, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah, you will literally see how many like hip hop tracks that I mean, of course, the hip hop with Red Man for her second album. I'm just like the songs that she got with uh, Alicia Key. I'm like her second album has some pop and R&B mixed to it, but like her third, I think her following album was the DJ Premier one. I'm like that first album is pure hip hop. And to see yeah. her and like and to see and what was good about it's just like it it went from laughter to interest. Yes. And that's kind exactly. of how that's kind of how the Devon Cox experience is, is that you can have laughter, but when you start having these deep conversations, things become interesting. You're intrigued and you want to learn. Uh, and what's what's so good about it is that everything is honest. Everything is honest. Everything is open. And that makes a flow better. You're not like, uh, what I'm going. No, it's just like we're having a deep conversation. We're having a good conversation and we're having fun. Our answers might be different that time, but I'm just like, you're opening up and being honest about your answers. And that's yeah. what I like about the Devil Kai's experience. It's the experience for not only you as a podcast and a content creator, but it's an experience for the person who is speaking and the listeners. Yeah, you hit you it know? right on the head. I can explain it more, better myself. It's about all of our experiences, whether it's mm-hmm. me listening to the conversation that you have with me or the listeners finding about something they didn't never know about, whether it's somebody who is from Texas and is a big gun supporter or somebody who's from Detroit who's vehemently against gun support and wants more laws to prohibit that. Mm -hmm. I think Devil Cox Experience has a home for both to have honest, and positive conversations about that. And I think, I, I wish, not think, I wish America was more open to that. I think, I think at a point in time, we will become open, or there are parts of the country in America that are open, but there are some people who haven't been trained, to, you know, not trained, 
there's people who haven't given the chance to be open in a sense. And what 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 I kind of mean from being open is that yes, of course, open-minded, but open to be able to say why you believe it and give some context, but also be open to see why from the other side there's a there's a not not so much a disagreement, there's another viewpoint about why. You know. Yeah. I think it's important to hear the other side. And it's okay to agree, disagree. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to agree to disagree, I think. But it's important to learn with the other side's thinking just for your own benefit, whether it's somebody you don't even agree with at all. But wouldn't you like to know their playbook? All right, if you're a football player and you can sit down with the head coach of the opposing team and learn their playbook, well, why not do that? So when yeah. you see the plays coming, you know what's coming for it. You, you know, it's always best to arm yourself with knowledge about every situation because you'll be well-equipped and better to deal with it as opposed to just going to situations blind and letting people take advantage of you. Right. We, research is always important. You know, if you're willing to put in the work chest to say stuff, then take, before you say these things, take the time to do the research. I'm trying to be better at researching stuff before I go in and do things. Um, but I'm like, I'm also able to be like, okay, let's be open and let's, of course, let's be respectful and let's also have fun and laugh. But, you know, Let's make sure that what we're saying, what we're saying, that we stand by what we say until we have an epiphany that you know what I was, I had, I did have that belief at that time, but over time I start learning about stuff, and now I kind of want to change what I believe, in a sense, and that's a individual journey for some people. You know, I think when you put out various podcasts whether it be about movies art and culture political religion or stuff you will always have some kind of opinion that agrees or disagrees but once you start learning more about that topic and about that subject you kind of see you kind of see things from a different point of view you know yeah i agree so, i think one of the po- most important thing for podcasters I don't know how many podcasters are listening to this episode or not, but this is one of the things that you should take up and learn for yourself. It is very easy to do. Be genuine. Be Mm -hmm. who you are. Don't turn yourself around and put on a show just to get people to listen. People will listen to you if you're genuine and you're who you are. Eventually, you'll find that audience. Now, how big or small that audience is, is up to you and the work you put in. But if you're genuine, eventually that audience will come and that audience will be loyal to you. Yeah. And there's plenty of people in my audience that don't always agree with things that I say. You know, I always crack jokes about Batman versus Superman and Joy yells at me about it, but he knows that <laughs> genuinely, I genuinely hate that movie. <laughs> Batman versus Superman? 
I yeah. actually like I, I like that for it was I think me and you talked about it. Yes, I seen the discussions with Joey had had. And I have been like, let me get something to eat and just click on these two flies. Um so Batman versus Superman. Uh I think at that time it was uh I think Captain America three had also came out or it must I think it came out after it. And it was kind of weird. Yeah, I, it was kind of weird. There was some the action that Batman versus Superman was missing. Captain America had it. The story and emotion and some of the look that Captain America didn't have, Batman had. And yeah. it was just like there are things that each other are missing that's in other each other's movie. I can see that. You know, it. Th- oh, go ahead. And this is my whole thing about Batman versus Superman. I don't dislike the movie at all. I. Say that because Joey's a jerk and he constantly bashes Marvel movies for no apparent reason whatsoever, just to irk my nerves. But <laughs> my whole thing with Batman vs Superman is this: it's something I keep telling people about often. Let DC movies be DC movies. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be as good as a Marvel movie. They just need to be good DC movies. There's nothing wrong with Marvel is on its own level. And I don't think we'll probably ever see something like this ever again with movies in terms of like Marvel's put out what 22 movies that have consistently been good all in one big connected universe that comes together to make a masterpiece. DC mm-hmm. put out a masterpiece of movies in terms of the Dark Knight trilogy, but they've also put out consistently good movies for a while, whether it's the Batman movies, the what is it, the Superman movies that were really mm-hmm. good back in the I, came I, out this time. And people might disagree, a lot of people disagree with me, but I love uh, Suicide Squad. I really thought that was a good movie. And it, I think what a lot of people didn't understand why I liked it, I'm just like, I like the action and the look of the movie. Because, the okay. yes, the comedy's there, but I'm just like, if you're an action fan and you love good choreographed action, Super, uh, Suicide, Suicide Squad had that. And that's what I that's what you mostly come for for a superhero movie. If they provide some really cool action that's amazing, you're you're going to really love the movie. I really don't hear a lot of people talking about character development and stuff like that or the actors and stuff. You know, I normally hear that over oh, it was this cool moment and then when you see the end of how stuff goes, that's what most people are into in the sense. Yeah. I like the DC movies. I especially like them now that they've kind of went away from the Marvel formula and said, hey, mm-hmm. let's just make good movies. Like Joker, excellent movie. Has nothing to do with anything they've done. They just made a separate movie about the Joker, and it works. Yes. I thought Wonder Woman, incredible movie. I like Shazam a lot. I like Aquaman a lot. But when they tried to kind of shoehorn this universe in, it didn't work. And that's okay. They don't have to be on that level of Marvel and make all these Marvel-type movies. They're fine being DC. I, and I will counter that and say that they kind of did that already with DC animated films. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The DC animated films have been doing the exact same thing the Marvel movies have been doing. And nobody talks about how good those movies are. 
the DC animated movies are fantastic. Some of them are okay. Some of them just like uh, I'm not feeling this one. But I mean, they have done a fantastic job with their, uh, a lot of their movies. That that Batman versus Super Squad one, Super uh, Super Size Squad one. I cannot say that too, for some unknown reason. That one was really good. Batman Ninja, yes. shoot, <laughs> yeah, that Batman Ninja <laughs> was amazing. Yes. And, and they just released the Justice League Dark one. And I'm just like, oh, this is a really cool movie. Like, they really go dark and it's R-rated. Yeah. Like, wow. Really well. Yes. You know. And Constantine, yeah. as a TV show... It was really good. Really good. It was really good. Yes. I, I think that just... We're getting to a point where we as viewers and listeners are getting too spoiled because we have so much content. Yeah. Like, everything has to be a masterpiece. We can't just have a seven or a six. It's okay to enjoy a movie that's a seven or a six or a song that's just decent. You know, it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with enjoying content that's just fine. I think people have just kind of gotten to the point where we're like, Oh, if it's not this level good, it's not good at all. No, there is a middle section. There is a, a lane where a seven movie or a seven video game is quite fine. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And even if it doesn't meet your expectations, sometimes it meets somebody else's expectations. And you should be, and you as a person who are who may be finding that out, she, you should be good with it. Be like, oh, this person like this movie? Well, that's cool. I might have some problems with it, but it's also cool that you like it. Like, I don't get... I keep saying stuff about the Grand Theft Auto series. I mean, I'm using this as, as examples because a lot of people love that series for a lot of stuff. And I always have problems with that series. But I don't get mad. At, I'm not... I never talked about how bad they're... I mean, I don't talk about their sales. I don't talk about what people really get out of it or anything. I mostly talk about the technical problems for that series. That's all I literally talk about. But if it's doing two million, two billion sale in sales, congratulations to Rockstar. They made a game that deserves it for some for some people. I don't believe yep. it, but I still respect that people go out and get it. You know, uh. So, but uh, we're going to move on because you talked about being on PSVG and you host a PlayStation podcast. This is true. How did that happen? Um, it's kind of interesting because their original host couldn't do the show no more. You know, life happens and they just didn't have time to do a PlayStation show anymore. So PSVG kind of reached out to people asking, hey, anybody interested in doing this? And I was like, originally I was like, let me see if I can help find somebody. Because that was my actual intent, to help find somebody to do the show. And for some, somehow, some way, they was like, why don't you just do the show? And I was like, uh, kind of don't have time to do another show. When are you guys recording this show? This is Inside Baseball. Uh-huh. Sunday's early morning. And I was like, 
I literally don't do nothing Sundays early morning. Cause it's like Sundays at like we record like Sundays at nine a.m. Yeah. Like I'm not doing anything Sundays at nine a.m. Eight nine a.m. So I'm like I can actually do it at that time. And I said okay. And that's got I got the ball rolling again. Thirty episodes in PSXP, we haven't missed a week yet. Are you excited for the PlayStation Five reveal? Yeah, I think it's about time they've been dangling around for us too long now. I think that they should have said something by now. It's getting to the point where people want to start pre-ordering it. They should start opening that type of stuff up. We want to know the price. We want to at least see the box. Because I I remember the prototype they were showing were butt ugly. (laughs) <laughs> we're having a fit about it because people say, oh, that's how it really looks and stuff like that. And I don't think it looks like that, but mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what it does look like and how it feels and how it plays. And the most importantly, the price to see if we can even afford this thing, because the way they're talking makes it sound like it's going to be very expensive. Well, it, it, that's kind of for Series X also. When it, when we find out what the price for these systems are, is it going to be enough for us to warrant a purchase for one system or both systems or neither? In a sense, um, because I don't. Th- this is the this is one fear that I have for Series X and I have for PlayStation, and it's mostly going to be the upcoming games reveals. Are we still going to be getting uh, these CGI computer graphics that that is not rep- truly representative of the game? Like you'll actually see that in the game, or is it these systems powerful enough that when they do an announcement for a game, this is actually what you're going to get in the game? You know, uh, and I wonder is that going to be with PlayStation's reveal? You know, because people are going to start comparing, well, uh, they had better games to reveal and stuff, and we got to see gameplay as Microsoft didn't do. I'm just like, if we look at the description and it says in-game engine is running on the engine at that developer's uh, studio, and it's not running on PlayStation 5 hardware. I think it's very important to point that out, and I think... We've gotten to that point now where it almost doesn't matter because games are beautiful now. Mm-hmm. Like seeing like how The Last of Us looks, that was on PS3, and even the upres version even looks good on PS4. But we've gotten to the point where games are looking. It's almost no game that doesn't look beautiful. Like even the Switch, which is underpowered compared to the other two systems, is putting out games like Breath of the Wild. And Mario Odyssey that are gorgeous looking games. The, the art style. It that's I, I think that's what's gonna be the thing with Sony and Microsoft is that you guys are gonna go for this realistic 3D kind of look for your games. And Nintendo is still gonna go for these various art styles. And it's going to depend on who who not who does it better, but who impression is going to last longer, you know? And 
a lot of people call me biased because I'm Nintendo. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. But I'm just like, if you look at Nintendo, a lot of their stuff is going to last longer. It's going to be years after generations before things don't look quite up. A lot of the Xbox and some of the PlayStation games, um, they're going to look good at that time. And then when you move on, go back, maybe even one generation, it looks dated. In a sense, and it doesn't look oppressive again, because the art style. Yes, because of that I, art I style. I get what you're saying about that because Nintendo games have this art style that's kind of evergreen in terms of it's like Breath of the Wild 20 years from now will still look beautiful mm-hmm. because of how it looks. And I would say this another advantage that I think Nintendo has over both the systems is price. The yeah. Switch. And I don't think Nintendo, for that matter, will ever put out a console that's $500. Right. And whereas Microsoft has no problem with it, and Sony has no problem with it, I think that price thing is going to make a big difference because, yeah, we have older gamers like us who buys games, but you know who else buys games? Little kids. 10 10, 12-year-old, 8, 9-year-old kids, and they want to play games too. And 9 times out of 10, mommy's not spending $600 for a game console. To play Fortnite and only Fortnite. But she will spend $300 for a game console for her kids for Christmas. This is a big difference. That price difference is going to be a big problem for people to overcome in terms of these next-gen consoles and I, I, was, I say this on PS, XP all the time that, yeah, gamers are going to love it and gamers are going to flock towards it. But you have to think about the people that are middle class, the, the mothers who buy these for their kids. Like, at some point, you have to also appeal to them too because that's how you get to 100 million copies sold, just well, sold. And we don't even include in the fact just the TV itself that you're going to be playing it on has to be compatible with that system. You're not going to get the best if that if that system and that TV can't connect. Like if it if your TV don't have HDR or 4K, you're not going to see the benefits that that system can provide. Yeah, in a sense. And so yeah, you gotta what I'm think about. Yeah, so you got a PlayStation 5 or a Series X, and you'd be like, this is like a, a Xbox One or a 360 game. Well, your TV is old enough that it doesn't recognize the system, and it doesn't produce what that system really is. So now Mommy has to go out and get you a $200 or $300 4K HDR TV. And it, depending on what size it is, you have to pay for it. She's going to have to pay more money on top of the system, on top of the game and controllers. She are, she might be hitting close to $1,000 just for you to have that entertainment. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't going to do that. Like, and I think that, I said, again, that's what Switch has the advantage in terms of like, hey, a kid can either play the handheld or they can play it in mm-hmm. the dock. So it's, it's more appealing to parents in that fashion. Whereas the PlayStation, you're going to have to have a TV that's really nice to run it to the dimensions you want it to run at. Same thing with Series X. And I don't know if people are willing to want to put in that extra money to get that. 
You know what I mean? Yes. That, yes. That, you brought up a really good point with that. That fact that to get the full experience, a lot of people are going to have to pay essentially for the system and a new TV. That's a thousand dollar investment. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's definitely with the climate of the economy right now. We we literally got to see how Black Friday goes. We got to see how Christmas goes. Will it be enough that even if there's not a lot of systems out, are the games going to make the worthy purchase? You know, for some people, for a Series X, Halo Infinite, for right now, is leading that. For PlayStation 5, we don't know yet. You know, so we got to see what they're going to have. And definitely, by the time you guys see this, they may have already revealed it. Um, I know a lot of people are making a big event out of it, you know, streaming it, watching this stuff, taking notes and talking about it. Uh, do you think, like, personally, definitely for you with uh, your PlayStation podcast, do you think they have to knock it out the box for you guys to really have something to talk about? Or do you think that whatever they show, you guys just got to cover and just be like, uh, they didn't they didn't really do it for us to have enough to make a conversation? But they have to be, I think it has to be impressive at this point. Like, people have been waiting for this reveal since last year when Xbox revealed theirs. And like, hey, here's our box. This is how it looks. And this is the the game we're coming out with with it, Halo. And mm-hmm. I think that it's important that they knock it out in the park. They say, hey, this is our box too. We're ready for all this type of stuff. And they very much well can. But with all this stuff that's been going on about it and stuff, they got to kind of just kill it. Uh, well, let me let me t- ask you, because uh, you guys probably covered this. Um, the state of play, it kind of has changed in a sense. They had did this um, one title dedicated state of play. Um, do you think Sony made the right move? And on your podcast, like, how do you guys feel about that? Like, definitely, like with Ghost of Tsushima. I think the state of play with Ghost of Tsushima helped a lot. I think that that game needed it. Mm-hmm. I don't think The Last of Us needed it. It helped, but I don't think it needed it because it's The Last of Us. With everything that's going on with it, you know, with it being so close, it's just The Last of Us sells itself. Just get it out there to the audience at this point in time. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of people who watched it and reacted to it because I, I told um, one of uh, one of my friends he uh, did uh, I think he did the lighting for The Last of Us Two, um, and I I told him um, and, and I I just tagged him in a in a um, in a tweet and I was just like you know I don't want to see or learn more of The Last of Us 2 because I want to go in uh, 
I want to go in fresh, not knowing. And I'm just like, this is not a disrespect to Naughty Dog, not a disrespect to Sony. Um, and so if this person did attack them, and I'm like, if, if happened, you just happen to see my tweet or anything, um, just know that I'm not doing it as a disrespectful thing. I'm doing it because I want to go in uh, fresh. And a lot of people who seen that tweet, kind of resemble the same thing they literally want to go in fresh and i think they're doing it to show that whether they know the supporters or not you know they really want to show their support for that game yeah i think that's important because ghost of steam was not a proven quantity you know mm-hmm. people didn't know what that was they didn't sounds cool we seen that one little thing earlier what last year about yes. it and we got nothing else Whereas The Last of Us, we know The Last of Us. It's many of our favorite games of all time, you know. So we just want to hear the rest of the story. We want to experience firsthand. We don't need to see anything else about it. Once we got the logo and stuff, let's rock and roll. Just get it to us so we can see it, you know. Yeah. And certain games kind of just do that for us. Like, you know, whether it's The Last of Us whether it's Zelda, for that matter. I think Zelda has that in terms of like, hey, just show us the beginning of it. Show us a little bit just to get us excited for it and just let us go out there and figure it out. Last of Us is one of those games that you want to do that with. You don't need to see story trailers, 100 story trailers of selling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The Last of Us sells itself. I, I really do wonder... Um... Will it will it snag Game of the Year nominations because of this controversy and people proving whether it was good, uh, whether they had a lot of sales? I wonder if this Game of the Year, so if it does get a nomination to prove all those people who spoiled it that their actions didn't do nothing to discredit it, that it, game. It depends on if it's good or not, and how good is it? Like. I'm seeing, cause early, not necessarily early impressions are coming out about it, but people are mumbling about it, and you see them saying like it's really good and stuff like that. But this is not a regular year, you know. Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII remake is also really, really good. You also got Cyberpunk coming out later this year that everybody's expecting to be really, really good. Then you had this game Neo Two. Yeah. Was it Neo Two. Neo Two. Yeah, yeah, Neo 2 came out this year, Neo which 2, I need to go get. It's also really, really good. Then you have Ghost of Tsushima that looks like it might be really, really good. So it's kind of a, a thing like you have a battle this year. We very much can well can see a year where The Last of Us doesn't get as many accolades as we expected to get because we have so much stuff coming out that it's actually really good. And I, who, I was talking to somebody about this Uh I kind of, I think my friend Brody from Diggity Podcast, uh, you guys should go check him and Jeff out. Uh, truly great guys. I think when talking about his 1v1, I think we, I mentioned that even though all these big budget games are coming out and may do well and get these high scores, it's it's a possibility that Animal Crossing might still destroy all of them. It takes him of the year. Animal Crossing is one of those games that transcends gaming almost you know last of us mm-hmm. does too in terms of having a movie and stuff like that but facts is facts 
you're not getting The Last of Us for your 12-year-old kid. But yes. 12 kids are playing Animal Crossing. Adults are playing Animal Crossing. Celebrities are playing Animal Crossing. There are so many people who are interested in that game where it's, I can even see people just saying, hey, Animal Crossing is the game of the year. And even Fortnite for that matter. Look at the things Fortnite are doing in terms mm-hmm. of having full concerts in the game. Yes. That's amazing. It 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 is. I think it's just not for me, for some reason. Um, I'm not saying that I don't like Fortnite or anything. Um, I I just think that that game is still designed for kids and yeah, people who and people who want to stream it and show off what they could do with it. That's great. Um, but I like. I I guess I want to see kids get more challenging stuff. That's kind. Of, that's the more impressive stuff that I want to see because you know, of course, my retro self had Mega Man Two and Michael Jackson Moonwalker and some of the other RPGs and stuff and and action games and stuff. You know, as a kid trying to go all the way do Mario Lost levels, you kind of don't get that nowadays where kids are literally playing hard games. Bloodborne and stuff don't count. Uh, where, where, like, you have to learn multiple skills that carry over. Because a kid could be good at Bloodborne, but then you can't play Devil May Cry. I get what you're saying, because when we were coming up, it was more of a... Games was just hard. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it wasn't the choice of having easy games to play or not. It was just like, well, this game is super hard. You have to figure out how to beat it. Like the Ninja Turtle game, I remember with the whole water level that used to drive people crazy and stuff like that. Yes. And that's just Battletoads. Hard games with the norm. Mega Man 2. Mega Man in general, you know, and you don't really see that now. Mm -hmm. And it's always so much accessibility to make the games easier so people can beat the games and stuff like that, but we kind of had that too with Game Genie, but now Game Genie's kind of built in a lot of games now where you can just like, let's put it on easy mode, I want to beat this game. Yes, that is true. Uh, as as a content creator, uh, what parts do you find hard? Like, if is it sometimes hard to come up with a topic or is it hard like to find news to create a discussion? Um... I think the hardest thing is staying inspired in terms and also getting guests that you want to talk to. That is very super hard in terms of like who to reach out to and who to put on your show and what to take the conversation with each person that's on your show. Mm-hmm. I've al- I always try to vary my guests. Like my whole thing has always been like. Try not to have the same guest on four times a year. Always try to reach out and get different voices on the show, different personalities. Now, if you have an episode where you have more than one person, that's different. But if you're just doing like the regular Delvin Cox experience where just a one-on-one interview, mm-hmm. always try to have different people on. So I know people were like, hey, why you haven't had me back on in a while? It's not that I don't want you back on. It's just that I want to reach out to more people and get more people on the show and introduce the world to more people. 
the listeners to more people. I think it's really cool where you find somebody that you don't know nothing about from a Delvin Cox experience. Like, I give a perfect example of it. There's this woman on the internet who I just come across by happenstance. Her name is Vivi. I came across her because she has a dope Twitter. I think her Twitter name is um not broke, not perfect, but broke. And I got to a conversation with her. And she literally had like 10 followers. And she was telling me how she does the podcast, stuff like that. And she's kind of getting her stuff all on her feet. And so I said, hey, just come on my podcast and have a conversation and promote your podcast. And she did. And she did a fantastic job. And I, she ended up getting on B-Ross podcast. And I watched her become from a fledgling podcast with 10 followers. And she has a whole bunch of followers now. And I always, and me seeing that made me proud to see her come from where she was at when she started to where she's at now, where she's constantly talking to people. People are constantly having conversations about how good her podcast is and she's becoming successful at it. And it was crazy because when I saw her, when I first saw her and saw her few followers, the first thing that came, up, came to my mind was like, she has to be a bot. This can't be a real person because she, Vivi is a beautiful black woman. I mean, gorgeous, smart, intelligent. So when you see somebody on Twitter who looks like her and has 10 followers. You're like, huh? Wait, that what? Is like, pretty girls get 100 followers on Twitter just for being pretty. And this was actually pretty and has something to say. And I'm proud to be a person who helped get, get her voice out there. And now she's killing it in the podcast game. She's That's doing good. an excellent She's doing awesome. Everybody check out our podcast. It's called Not per- Not Perfect But Broke. It's a really interesting podcast where she interviews people. She talks about politics. She talks about life, almost like a life coach thing. It's a really good mm-hmm. podcast. Everybody check it out. That's awesome. Really awesome. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, and those who kind of see us as black content creators and stuff, um, how do how do you think we are doing getting the word out to other content creators and to other viewers and stuff? Do you think it's really hard for us as black um, podcasters to get our voice heard? Um, or do you think that as time goes on, we'll be as time goes on and we continue to put in the work people will see us for who we are. I think it is a little hard to get your voice out as a black content creator. I know I struggle with it at times, but I found myself with a Delvin Cox experience having so many people on who weren't black, who were from so many different backgrounds that I had to kind of this year rein it in and mm-hmm. bring more people on the show. And I think it's very important to now that I've gotten to the point where I'm at, I'm not saying I'm a mega star or anything like that, but I've gotten to the point where I have such a diverse audience. My whole goal now is to get other African-Americans that same type of diverse audience. So I think it's important as us as black podcasters to not only just reach out to our own people, but to reach out to other people too, because that's how you grow. Like, you know, um, Jesus and Mero, 
excellent podcasts and excellent TV shows and stuff like that. Their audience is not only big because they just have nothing but black people, it's blacks, Latinos, whites, Asians, different people from every type of culture. I think it's very important for us to do the same thing. And I want to do it for the Devil Cox experience. I want to do I want to see you do it. I want to see all of us successful. And that's something that I genuinely mean. I don't I'm not the type of person who wants to get on top and forget about people. I want all of us to reach our goal, whether it's a hundred million followers, a hundred million listeners to a hundred thousand listeners. It's just very important to me to see people be successful at this because I want podcasting to grow and I want the people who help podcasting to grow to grow with it as well. Yes. This there's something about like I there's something about getting your content out there for anyone to check out at any time. And whether you get one or two listens or no listens at all, I always say be proud of the work that you do. You know, be proud that you were able to record an episode and put it out for the world to hear. Because one day someone is going to hear your voice. One day you are going to realize at, at a point that I am building a legacy because I have all of these episodes. And as long as I put myself out there, someone is going to notice or someone is going to give me a try. And over time, I'm going to get better. Me and Corey um, and Jesse from Boss Rush, like, we each have our own story on how we got into podcasting. And, like, we know that our stuff was kind of rough in the beginning, but we are proud of the work that we did. And over time, we got better. Uh, over time, the production got better. Uh, over time, the conversations, the way we think, the way we just gel with each other and gel with our guests, it got better. And so, I, in my mind, and it might be personally me, I feel like we are building a legacy. So when everything is said and done and we can't podcast no more, there's enough content out there for people to go and check out and be like, I didn't know that's the way they felt about that, but now I can see why they feel that way and how it still is relatable to now. And that's kind of how the Devil Cox experience is, is that you're building a you're building a legacy with other podcasters, but you're also building a legacy for yourself that you have all of these interesting conversations and topics that anybody could in the world could go in and listen to and feel like they're part of it, whether they agree or not, they're going to get something out of it. And sometimes that makes that makes people want to make their own podcast or even be on that particular person's podcast if they'll have them. Yeah, I think that's awesome that I play a small part in getting people to want a podcast or listen to podcasts. That is one of the biggest accomplishments I can think of that I've ever done. If I've touched anybody to want a podcast, stuff, I'm totally grateful for that. That's awesome. Now we just got to get Joey so he can start doing more Skyrocast. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, before we go, do you want to go ahead and plug all the podcasts that you do and where people can find you? Okay, let's go down the list. Check out the Delvin Cox Experience. Anywhere you get podcasts. It's literally everywhere. It's on iTunes, Spotify. I've been putting out YouTube episodes of it. With video and stuff, so that's cool. Also, check out the PlayStation Experience. 
anywhere you get podcasts. PSXP, in short, you know, it's a really cool podcast. Also, whenever we enjoy doing it again, check out the Skywardcast with Joy Craig and Game If You Don't Play with Chalfie. Those are the main four I can think of off the top of my head that are really great podcasts that I do, and I'm very proud of each and every one of those podcasts. And also, if you want to check me out on Twitter, check me out at Delvin underscore Cox. I talk to everybody, and I will be glad to have a conversation with you and answer any question you may have about podcasts or anything, for that matter. Yes. You can check, guys can check out more of 1v1 and other of our content at BossFirstGames.com and on BossFirstGames on YouTube. Check out our Twitch and our Mixer page when we go live at Bosch Podcast. Um, you guys can check us on Instagram and on Twitter at Bosch Rush Podcast. I have been your host, Eddie V. You guys can follow me at on Twitter at that retro and check out Optional Opinion. Also check out Nintendo Pod Blog that I do with Corey. Um, and also check out Boss Rush Podcast where me, Corey, and Jesse come together and talk about various things in the game community. Also check out Arsenal X, our Xbox podcast. Um, and yeah, so everybody have a great week. Have a great weekend as always. Be better to one another and let's continue to play games and just be kind and respectful to one another and lift everybody up because definitely by the time you guys hear this, um, there's a lot of things going on in the world, whether it's COVID, whether it's protests and things like that. We want to continue to uplift people and encourage people um, because kindness goes a long way. So with that, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you, Delvin, for coming on. And we will see you next time on 1v1. With that, everybody, we'll see you. Bye. Peace. I just, I really don't know what to say or do. Donate it, yes, I could do, that's fine. But it's just like, you really can't say, I mean, you really can't do nothing else but see how things play out. Play out, Because I'm like, they already got him. Um, and yeah. so now, what goes forth is the, still the investigation, and then it's going to be the court. So I'm like, Y'all protesting, yes. Rioting, yes. But where do you guys go from here now? Do you guys stop or are you guys going to do this just all week long? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I don't know where do you go from here and how far does it go? I would think the protest and rioting would stop personally, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been going on so long now. I don't know if they want to stop because this is not a new thing. This is something that's been bubbling it over for a while. You know what I mean? Yes, but you wouldn't expect it in Minnesota, in a sense. Yeah. You know, because I'm still trying to catch up on the Louisiana when I guess some cops busted in her house and killed her. Is that the yep. that the thing? That is okay. Exactly. Story. Busting the house and killed her. That's the best way you can say it. Best way you can describe it. Was she innocent or was they doing a stakeout or like what was the purpose of it? Did they? If I remember correctly, they were going after her boyfriend. 
or some bullshit like that and for a sting and the sting was wrong and they ended up killing her. Okay. I'll have to read it because I'm just like, I don't... Yeah, it's just the the, the George Floyd story kind of took over and her story just like, oh, someone else got killed? Yeah. You know? And then you had the whole story about what happened in the park, so... Oh, yeah, then, but that one got resolved, so... Yeah. Um, but, all right, so what 1v1 is, is that uh, it's me interviewing you, um, and you talk about your podcast and talk about you being a content creator, and we just have a fun time having a discussion. Uh, this is separate from optional opinion, <laughs> so that you know. Oh, my whole idea for the Delvin Cox experience, <laughs> made you, you son of a bitch. Actually, <laughs> Oh, you know, my friend is going to be like, no, that was my idea. I didn't know. No, his, it, ours is a different one. This is one for the network, uh, not for my personal thing. I would never steal nobody else's idea. That's not my stilo. I try not to do that. I, I promise. I'm joking, Eddie. I stole the idea from Arsenio Hall. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like being uh, a, a host is new. Ah, uh, so. All right, here we go. I'm ready when you are. <laughs> 